Good morning, RCC family and friends. We're so happy that you're here with us this morning. If you're tuning in for the very first time, comment below, let us know where you're tuning in from, and we would love to give you a proper hello. If you've been following along with us, we are in our third week of a month-long focus of listening prayer. Hopefully you guys have been participating and watching the videos, tuning into our weekly Zoom calls, and following our prayer guides. If you haven't, that's okay, because this week we have something special for you. On Thursday at 8 p.m., we're going to do another Zoom call. It's going to be about listening prayer, but the focus will be on breaking bread, and it'll be with Jordan. Look out for that link. You'll see it coming up. Also, if you'd like to participate in today's service prayer-wise, we will have for you our prayer lines open. So call the number listed below, and then someone from our prayer team would love to get in contact with you and join you in prayer that way. If you'd like to be involved in today's service in another way, a really great way to do so is to participate in our family videos. So if you want to send a video 20 to 25 seconds, something fun and creative, you'll send that to Bill at bill at rivercitysmyrna.com. We'll need it by Thursday afternoon, and then we'll see you in service. Another way to participate in service today is to give us all of the hashtags. If you are watching or if you're taking photos of your family during church, send us videos and photos of that. And so you'll do so at rivercityatl or use the hashtag rccchurcheverywhere. And then finally for you, if you have any needs this season, we would love to join in with you. We have a really great care team that would love to partner with you. So you're going to send us an email at needs at rivercitysmyrna.com, and then someone will be in contact with you shortly. Now, moving on to our morning lectionary passage, it's going to be from Psalm 66, 8 through 20. And it says, bless our God, O people, and let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, have tested us, and you have tried us as silver is tried. You've brought us into the net. You've laid a crushing burden on our back. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of the fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, and I will make an offering of bulls and goats, Selah. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praises were on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer and removed me from his steadfast love. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of justice, but also a God of kindness. Thank you for being a God who attunes his ear to his children. Lord, we pray as we begin today's service that your presence is felt in every home and that your presence is felt here. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to begin to do a work and to bring up the conversations that need to be had, that you turn our heart towards justice, that you make us love righteousness. Lord, we thank you that you are a God to follow. Thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy. Let us be united with you in our actions, in our heart, and let us be loving 
and righteous and merciful as well. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, River City Church. If you will join with me in praying for prayers of the people. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are never too far that we can always turn to you on the mountaintops and in the valleys, that we can trust that you are near. And so God, as we lift up the people around the world and our neighbors, our community, may we be reminded that you are near to us and you are near to them, and we can trust that you are faithful and good and sovereign, that we are not overlooked, that we are not forgotten. We pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. We pray for the 20 Nigerian Christians that were killed this past week, families completely destroyed, shredded, Literally and emotionally and spiritually, God, would you show up in the villages? Would you comfort them? Would you send your spirit to fall upon them? Would you bring conviction and justice for the murderers and the terrorists? God, would we see a little piece of your justice fulfilled this, this morning in that village? We pray for Joyce Lynn and her family as they grieve the loss of her being a missionary, driving, um, flying COVID uh, supplies overseas. God, would you comfort her family as they mourn her loss in a completely devastating and seemingly unnecessary plane crash? Would hope and peace rest in their home. God, would you comfort um, Rabbi Zacharias as he is grappling with the news that his cancer is, is terminal. It, there is no, there's no more treatment earthside that we can offer him. I thank you for the work that he has had and the impact and the conversations that he is engaged in over the years. God, would you be near to him? Would you comfort his family? May they live out his final days full of hope and peace and a joy that surpasses all understanding. We pray for our world and all of those in it. We pray for the mental health crisis that has begun to spike across the world as we are um, separated and isolated. God, would you bring light into the darkest of darkest of darkest moments for people? Would you remind them, would you allow your light to break forth that they would know that they are loved, that they are purposed? that you know them and that you see them, that they are created in your image. We pray for the family of Brianna Taylor, 
and what a devastating and tragic loss it is to have lost her. God, would you allow justice to, to come forth? God, would you continue to bring people in various communities to rise up, to build bridges, to have the hard conversations, to say and do the hard things that we may love as Jesus loves. May we boldly proclaim your name as we call for higher standards, for better treatment, God, would you, would you come? Would you come? And we pray for our local community, Smyrna and Cobb County and even the River City community. We pray for wisdom and guidance as businesses and churches begin to navigate reopening and doing it safely valuing the community, but also valuing health and safety. God, would you just bring discernment for the leaders having to make the really hard decisions? Would you protect employees? Would you uh, protect churches and communities as they begin to navigate gathering together again? It feels confusing. Things feel uncertain and unknown. May we cling to your wisdom and not our own. May we trust you above all else. We pray for Sky, Jessica Lee's student who is grappling with the impacts of COVID both, both physically and, and emotionally. God, would you use this time to remind her that she is loved? Would you wrap your arms around her and comfort her? Be near to her. May this be a time that she feels and knows your presence more than ever. We pray for all of our brothers and sisters. May we collectively, with one voice and one accord, turn our eyes to you. And may we stare upon the face of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Welcome, River City. Uh, we're so excited that you're here with us. Um, thank you so much for those of you who sent in family videos. Uh, those are always a favorite part of the service, so I know everyone's appreciating those getting sent in. Um, I want to invite you today to participate with me in the sermon. So, um, you know, I've been researching a lot in early church gatherings, and um, our early church gatherings were real simple. There were two parts to them. The first part is they would eat a meal together, and the second part is they would do what in Greek was called the symposium, and it was a really not a symposium like you would think, not a monologue that was given, but a conversation that was had among the group that was gathered. And so that's something kind of unique to being virtually gathered, is we get to have a conversation even while the sermon is happening. So I want to invite you to, you know, throw in your input, throw in your thoughts, throw in um, your questions specifically. I love if you have questions as things arise right? Especially for the church, for the group, what you're thinking. Put those in as I'm talking and let people interact, and that's totally fine. It won't bother me at all. Um, also, on, and I had some questions about, you know, how to interact with service and see some of the live chat. So I know a lot of people watch the service on their smart TV or their Apple TV. 
So there's actually a setting on there that you can, from your TV, turn on live chatting, and it'll show up on the screen. Uh, so you can turn that on, and that can be really helpful. I actually, what I do is I use my phone to chat, and then just watch the chat on my TV. So it kind of can help to you to kind of engage the service. You can also turn off that chat uh, if you're distracted by it. So, um, so I want to start today by just saying, first off, this is extremely awkward to preach to you when you're not here. Like, I can't even express in words how strange that is. But I'm praying today that the Spirit of God would be alive, that it would be active, that He would be moving, not just here, but where you are. And I'm also a, maybe a forewarning is that I've been very emotionally tender lately, which you guys are probably like, really, Jordan? That doesn't happen to you. It actually has. Um, This season has been actually amazing, but it's also really opened up my heart a lot. A great example, I was at a virtual book launch this past week, and it was very awkward and strange. It was on Zoom, and the person just started reading the preface of their book, and I just started crying. It's just these weird moments where I can feel the Spirit of God moving in to the present, and I'm praying that that would happen. I'm praying that that would happen for you, that your heart would be opened even today as I'm speaking. So, I want to kind of recap as we begin. Josh preached last week in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14, and it's this picture where Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper with his disciples, and they're sitting there, and they're sitting in a very unknown space because he's describing so much about what is going to happen, but they don't even have their minds around what is going to happen. There is so much unknown for them sitting at that table. And they keep asking this question, which is, can you show us the way? And Jesus real simply says, well, I am the way. And what he's getting at is that he is the way, he is the journey that is happening right there in the middle of it. They're looking forward to something else that's going to happen. But right there in the midst of the gathering, Jesus is present, and he's present in the midst of the suffering and the unknown of what's going to happen. He's sitting there in the waiting of that Thursday meal, and in the confusion of it, he's literally right there. And Josh said something last week that I think is worth noting, right? He says, the disciples have to say goodbye to God to see God. And he also asked this question, is there a version of Jesus that has to die for us to see God? This is a question that in our communion group last week I asked, and it was like hard to get our heads around that there's a version of Jesus that we have that we are not necessarily, it's not necessarily the one we're going to get in the long run. So I want to invite you into that question, especially in light of the pandemic, especially in light of a season where we are beginning to feel things dying within ourselves. So what is, what is dying? Like I think we have a lot, our value systems are changing. Our value systems are changing a lot. We're asking questions we never asked before. Like questions like, what really matters to us? Are our cravings different? What do we really miss, right? The thing that's been most affected by the virus in terms of us is that we are not gathering, right? We're not actually with people. Many of us are living our lives. Some of us, you know, maybe you just shifted work from home, 
But in terms of community, right, this is the thing that's really altered, and it's likely the thing that God's trying to put his finger on and say, what if you rethought what you're doing? What if you began to open up your imagination? And maybe there's things that are dying that are supposed to bring new life after. And this is the invitation that we have. So you guys know I love to bring you statistics and some research. So I want to offer that to you. So right now, there's been a couple of big statistics that have come out in the last week regarding church. The statistics are that 20 to 33% of churches in the United States in the next 12 months will die. That there are denomin- these are from, that statistic is from pastors, even among denomin- denominational leaders, we're seeing reports as high as 30% that churches, are, that churches will not make it through this. I was on a call this past week with a pastor in Pennsylvania who his church, the youngest person in his church is in their mid-40s. The next youngest person is in their 60s, and he was just real honest. He was like, look, I don't, my church doesn't know this yet, but we're not going to be able to gather after this, at least not in the way that we gathered before, because it really wasn't working in the past, and it's definitely not going to work going into this new post-pandemic world. And so it raises questions, right, that if this many churches are really not going to make it through this, what is going to happen to the rest, right? Well, there's a couple options. We might also be looking at churches that are just surviving, that just get by. They just go, try to go back to normal as quick as possible, or they just weather the storm enough. But I think that there's a huge opportunity, and I think this is an opportunity for our community to enter into, which is communities that begin to thrive, right? They begin to innovate and dream and let their imagination open up to the possibilities of the things that could come out of the death that might happen. And if we're willing, and I think this is the type of community with the type of leadership here that we, we have the, the, a future that's really bright, and I'm excited more than I've ever been. I'm excited more than I've ever been. This is a, a, a quote from Mark Sayers. He said that this this week. He was prepping for his, uh, their first live stream for their church. Their church is in Melbourne, Australia, and they rehearsed the stream a few times before they went live. And right before they gather together to do the live stream, he says, what if all of our gatherings prior to this have been a rehearsal for what's coming next? That there's actually, what if the gatherings of, of River City all prior to COVID and during have all been a rehearsal for what's coming after this? There is an excitement that can be have. And I just, I get just this picture of like the waters and the spirit, the spirits hovering over the waters of the earth. And I just feel like this sense of, of bubbling, a bubbling up of the things that God wants to do. And at some point, it's going to bubble over. It's going to boil over and we're going to start to see the effects of this. But the only way that happens is if we listen to the voice of God and we listen to the voice of our city. And we have to be present to the moment. And if we can do that, then I think that we will thrive. So I want to read a couple passages today. The first one I want to just continue. This is the lectionary passages for today is an extension of what Josh preached last week. So I want to continue that, those six verses. So we're going to start in John 14, verse 15. It says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So we have the Spirit during this encounter. He is sitting there in the unknown with the disciples. And the thing that he tells them is, yeah, but a helper is coming. I know there's a lot of unknown. I know you're sitting in the waiting. I know that you don't know what's happening next, but the helper is coming. And I think that this is our encouragement that the spirit of God is with us. And the passage says he's not just with us, but in us. And in, we really believe that our spirits might be provoked in this season to be aware of what is happening, to be aware, not just what is happening outside, but what is happening inside. And if we can answer these questions and begin to even ask the right questions, then the spirit of God might bubble up and boil over into our city in ways that we never thought was possible. So this is the story we're gonna read today is where this is happening, right, with Paul. So we're gonna read in Acts 17, but Paul is in this, he is, it's very different from the previous passage, right? Where you have pre-Holy Spirit coming and falling on believers. You have Paul who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, so this is closer to home for us as we're encountering unknown and Paul's encountering a lot of unknown, a lot of confusion in this setting. But he believes in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and provokes him. And he does some things that you wouldn't imagine. He does some really creative and innovative things. And the people of Athens are completely changed. So as I'm, before I, I read this passage, I want to just offer some context as we start. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're on this missionary journey and they're traveling to different cities. And the last city that they're at is called Macedonia. And in Macedonia, the Jews get agitated because of their teaching and it forces Paul to leave. And so Silas and Timothy, they stay behind, but Paul leaves and he's dropped off in Athens. And the people go back to Silas and Timothy to go get them, but Paul is left. He's left sitting in Athens all alone in a new environment, a new world. And he is waiting, just sitting there, waiting. I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip or to a different like maybe a third world country. I went to India a couple times and when you step off of even the plane, the, all of these things around you are so different, right? The smells, the, the sounds, the people, everything is, the food is, it's all different. And this is the setting that Paul enters into. It's an entirely new space. And this is the space that we're in right now in a pandemic where, I mean, the last thing this large in the history of the world was World War II. And no one has lived through these things and has things to say. Like we are on our own. We're all living this new reality together and it's all new and fresh. And this is what Paul is experiencing in Athens in this scene. 
So I want to read this with you. It's Acts 17, verses 16 through 31. It says this, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription on it to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist, even as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, what we ought not to think the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would provoke our spirits, just as Paul is sitting in this city observing things, that his spirit is provoked within him to feel and know and become in touch with the things that are needed. I pray, God, that you would do that for us, that you would bubble up in us, first, before elsewhere, God, that it would happen here in our own hearts. In Jesus' name. So the question is, you know, just starting off, what, what is Paul observe? Like he walks into the city and he has to start somewhere and he just starts observing. He starts looking around. And it's actually very similar. If you know anything about Greek history, there was a guy by the name of Socrates. He was a philosopher. And Socrates actually takes the same path that Paul did, or Paul took the same path as Socrates did. He starts in the marketplace and begins having conversation and dialogue and asking questions. And then he ends up in the Areopagus, which is the same setting that Socrates would have been in. And eventually what happens to Socrates is his thoughts and his beliefs, they weren't supported by the Athenians and he's actually killed. He has to drink poisonous hemlock and he dies. And this is the same path that Paul is on. And so the point is, there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot at stake for Paul to even be in this setting. And you see, Athens was a 
a glimmer of what it used to be. Athens used to be the, the power of the world. And at this point in time, there's only about 10,000 people that live in Athens. They had shifted and Rome had grabbed so much of Athenian culture and Greek culture, it was everywhere. So their footprint was all over the Roman empire, but Athens was small and they were extremely pluralistic and progressive. They had ideas abounding and they welcomed new ideas. And you can see it in this passage. And so some of the people, and I think it's important as we to understand this passage, some of the people that are in Athens at this time, the first people would have been the traditional pantheists. There would have been people who would have had beliefs in many gods and then they had to make sacrifices to many gods. And you see this, as Paul says, there's a statue to it or an altar to an unknown God present. And he's, so he's appealing to this group, right? There's also the philosophers, right? So he, the philosophers doubted the gods. They doubted their existence. We, they essentially believed that we're on our own, that the, that the gods don't have actually any bearing in our lives. So they referenced the Epicureans who believed that, the pleasure, that pleasure was the ultimate goal of life and seeking it in any way possible was the fulfillment of, our, of their desire. And the Stoics, they believed that harmony was with nature and finding the world God in, in nature. And so they be, their goal was to find harmony. And all of these different groups, what they're seeking is desire. They're seeking something to fulfill the meaning within themselves. And there's also the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. They're in their synagogues. They had an Old Testament belief in Yahweh. And Paul steps in to the situation and he observes all of these different things happening. They're all happening. And he begins in his address, begins to sit with every single one of those things and touches and speaks a message that is for all people, not just some, but all people. And so he references an, a, an altar to an unknown God. And the people used to walk by this every day. This was sitting at the Agora or the marketplace right at the entrance. And they would have walked by it every day. And Paul comes in and he starts to put his finger on it and says, hey, God has been there all along. He's been sitting right in your midst. You didn't know it. You didn't have the language to use to describe, but he's been there all along. And he begins to use the language and the poetry of the philosophers. And he says, look, You've been saying this over and over again. You've heard these sayings before, yet you didn't understand what they really meant. He sits with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and says, you don't really, you don't get exactly what Yahweh, you didn't take it far enough. And this is what he's getting at. And his whole message is he's saying, God has been there. He's been there present with all of 10,000 of you bubbling up. You didn't know that it was Jesus, but he's been there bubbling up over the surface of the waters. And the entrance into the conversation for Paul is not, is not repent first. His first entrance is, look, you haven't taken this far enough. You haven't peered deep enough into the things that are necessary. And it takes him coming, sitting in the waiting from the outside to know. You see, the people had been being provoked much longer than this moment, but they didn't realize that it was God. He is not far from each of us. And we live in a pluralistic world. America is one of the places in the world where 
We are trying to fulfill our desire in so many ways, whether it's materialism or consumerism or work or family or technology, all of these things are pointing to our desires. And it's not to tell the world, repent of those things. It's to go and to say, look, I know, consumer, that you want the next biggest, greatest thing, but there's actually something beyond that desire. You do want the next best, greatest thing, but you haven't seen him yet. And this is who he is. This is who your heart has been longing for. He is not far from each of us. And in this season of COVID, we realize that our hearts are not that different. You see, people have been isolated far longer than this. There are people in Smyrna that have been breaking daily, hungry daily, looking for basic supplies daily, and they haven't found them. And you see, this is like fasting. It's like entering in. It's like our bodies are now catching up with the world. And we realize, oh, the needs are actually much greater than I thought. God is not far from us, River City Church. God is not far from us. God is not far from the broken, the hated, debased, and confused. God is not far from the prostitute that's daily abused. God is not far from the doubter, misfit, and wanderer. God is not far from the saint, pastor, and ponderer. God is not far from the immigrant family that seeks with all that they have for safety, food, and shelter. God is not far from the glutton or drunkard. He is certainly not far from the homeless or hungerer. God is not far from the mentally ill or the worn down parent that binges Netflix to chill. God is not far from the overworked person that never thinks Reset and rest is a feasible option. God is not far from the oppressed or the oppressor or the oppressed or the oppressor or the oppressed. He is not far from Arbery's mother that puts her son to rest. God is not far from the Muslim or Jew, the atheist, pantheist, and even Hindu. God is not far from the unemployed people that search for work in an economy that bends its knees in upheaval. God is not far from the mothers that watch clocks for days to be done so that wine can be opened and they can have fun. God is not far from the skeptic or sinner. God is not far when we gather for dinner. God is not far in this pandemic season when things are out of control and well beyond reason. God is not far in this waiting we face. God is not far from this whole human race. So open our eyes, God, to the world about us to ask questions that breed answers that wow us. You see, River City, God is not far from us You are not that much different from anyone else. Your isolation is real. You feel things. You know things. You're sensing the things that our city is longing for. And this is the opportunity that we have that we've never had before to enter into a conversation. You see, do you see him? That's the real question. Do you see the one who's been bubbling up on the surface all along? He's been there waiting for you to enter into a dialogue and to hear his voice. He is provoking you. He is causing you to ask questions and observe 
the city and the environment and your family and the waiting. This is our opportunity that we've never had before. Do not dismiss it. Do not give up. Press in even more. To innovate and thrive is the opportunity that we have to personally enter into the story Jesus is inviting us. And I welcome you. I welcome you to hear, to open up, to open up your mind and your heart to the wonders of the Spirit. This is so exciting. So what does this practically even look like? To open up our hearts and open up our imaginations to the Spirit that has been active all across our world and in our present midst right now, what does it look like? I would say just number one is we, and this is gonna sound probably completely out of left field, but I would, I would encourage you to Sabbath extremely well. If you weren't gonna Sabbath, I mean, this, this is the opportunity we have. It's, at this point, it's now or never. If you're gonna take a day and give it to God, then do it now when you're, Work is probably not happening 24-7 for you. You have opportunities that you haven't had to slow down and be present. So I would say Sabbath. My family, even this past week, we took two candles we, on our Sabbath. We put them on the table. We lit one candle and the candle symbolized ceasing, that we would actually stop our work. This is what Sabbath means, to stop technology, to stop work, to not do housework, to not go out and buy anything. These things we can barely even do anyways. It's pro- this is our opportunity to do those things, to stop. We light the second candle in celebration, to celebrate what we have. And so when the thoughts come like, oh, I wanna do that next thing, we put those things to rest. And we say, no, I'm thankful for the things that I've been given. I'm thankful not only for the, the planet that I've been given and the, the home I've been given or the people I've been given. These are the things that we have right in front of us. And this is an opportunity to enjoy food, enjoy people, sit in the present moment. I, put, I recently turned my phone to grayscale, which is something you can do. And I, I started, it's interesting. As I've done that, it's like the entire world is colorful now because my phone is, is black and white. <laughs> these, these are the little things, right, that we, you might, if you start taking a Sabbath, everything will start turning to color the other six days. And I invite you into that. Pr- be present to this moment, because if we can get off of the hypervigilance, right, the constants, then we can begin to enter into what the voice is saying and being present to what our city is even saying. So Sabbath, and I wanna invite you to reimagine to open your imagination, not just for yourself, while that is important, but also for community as that's the thing that's been affected most. And for our city, you see crisis accelerates innovation. It creates new opportunities for us. So some questions I would consider is what is it that you really want and value now, right? What is it that you really want and value now? And what is it that others really want and value now? because those things are different. Our appetite is different. And what is God calling River City Church into? It may look different and that's, that's okay because we know with God that even in the pruning, like it says in John 15, even in the pruning, that there is more life coming afterwards. So I invite you to open your mind and your heart to the Spirit's work to reimagine. So with that said, um, I want to invite you to tonight to come 
to communion at 8.30. Katie and I will be hosting it. We're going to be asking some of these questions and trying to open up our minds. And this is an invitation that is open to you as a member of this community to reimagine with us. Um, and this is a unique opportunity, I think. It's not one that you really get in any church. Um, to be able to have the leadership that would see, look, your voice really matters. So what are you hearing the Spirit say? And how can we partner with what the Spirit collectively is saying as we discern? So come to communion, come to listening prayer on Thursday that we're hosting. These are opportunities to engage our ears and our eyes into Jesus. So we love you, you're cherished, and you're loved by God. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.